Thanks for listening to the show. Join us online at playvolutionhq.com and learn how to support the show at explorationsearlylearning.com slash support. Welcome to Renegade Rules. Kick back, settle in, and let us fill your ear holes with early learning information, wisdom, and advice. And now, here's Heather and Jeff. Welcome to Renegade Rules. Jeff Johnson here with Heather Shoemaker. We're talking about rules today, Heather. Um, rules, rules, yes. And this is ironic because I, uh, my books are all about renegade rules or breaking rules that other people think are rules. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> last, this, this is going to be fun. Uh, last last week, uh, uh, grandbaby comes to me and she says, uh, uh, "Papa, there was a baby giraffe born the other day at the zoo. We should go to the zoo tomorrow." And and I said, "Okay," because the lilacs are out. Because uh, for for since I was a junior in high school, all through college and 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 my last two years of high school, when the lilacs bloomed, it was uh, uh, permission for me to skip school and go do things in the world. And and so I was uh, uh, very happy to break the rule and give myself a day off of work to go look at the baby giraffe. Um, I, I'm not. Uh, I don't know. I'm. I'm not a big fan of rules. Um. I guess I'm not good at following well, them either. Where are you at with this? Well, it's funny because, um, you know, wh- wherever I go, it seems whether it's the playground or just talking to other parents or in in my line of work with the books yeah. and speaking, people. Um, I meet all kinds of parenting styles, and one mother was confiding to me that um, every time her her child does something, she sets another rule. Um, I mean, usually something she doesn't like. Uh Um, And so she said the rules are just piling up. And I was thinking about that, and I was, you know, kind of nodding sympathetically because, boy, how would you even keep track of all those rules? Um, I realized I'm not sure we have any rules (laughs) in our family. And then I started feeling like a terrible parent. But I don't actually think... We have any rules, but boy, do we have expectations and limits. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't think it's just a matter of what we're calling them. But I think it's, I, let's dive into the idea of a rule mindset. The rules that I remember when I was a kid were when I entered elementary school. And there were two rules that I really remember as a six year old. You could not sit on the windowsill and you could not slide down the banister and you got in big, huge trouble if you did either of those things. And those were rules because um, it was a very tall building and if you uh-huh. sat on the windowsills, they're afraid you're going to topple out because the windows are off. That was open. back when schools oh, yeah. actually had windows that opened? Yeah, they, they didn't have bars on them either. <laughs> they were, you know, you, you could you could look outside and get some <laughs> nice breeze. But I don't think I was there were things that I knew I couldn't do as a child. And I think my kids pretty much know what they should and shouldn't do at home. But we don't go around setting rules. Um, Think about if you had to set up a rule for everything your child might do. It reminds me of um, a friend who her daughter um, stuck uncooked spaghetti, so raw spaghetti, Uh into her ear and managed to poke out her eardrum, you know, put a hole in it oh. with this spaghetti. Ouch. So 
Uh, yeah, and she had to go to the hospital and, you know, bad stuff. But you can't, you can't. <laughs> you can't make a rule about don't put uncooked spaghetti in your ear. Or if even cooked or even cooked spaghetti. I even mean. cooked spaghetti. Um, if you make a rule for everything, you'd be really busy. Well, yeah, and then you have um, to remember And I don't think them. it would really help much. No. It, 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 I, um, one of the reasons that I kind of shy away from rules is that you make them, then you got to remember them and then you got to enforce them. And that seems like a lot of me trying to control somebody else that I just don't have time or energy for. Right. And, and that the person that the little person that we're working with, uh, over time, they need to be learning how to control themselves. Mm-hmm. And if we're not giving them those skills, if we're just giving them a whole, ladder of rules and you have to do this or not this or do this and not do this um it's not maybe helping them figure out what they should be doing it's just can i follow all these rules can i even remember them yeah so i was trying to get into why is a limit so different than a rule and um you know why is this not just something to do with with language and so let's take the one, the rule is the slides are for going down. Uh-huh. You know, that, that's a rule that an adult would set. But if, instead, if you have a limit of um, if the kids are having trouble with, with um, safety or conflict with the kids trying to go up and down the slide, you might come up with a limit with the kids' help about um, I need to make sure the bodies are safe here. So if there's someone starting to come down, you have to wait until they go back up. Um, I don't know if that would be a hard and fast rule, but it has to do with the golden rule, which is it's okay unless it's hurting people or property. So that could hurt people. So we have to limit your body from moving right now so that it's not hurting somebody else. Not that you can't do that thing, but that you need to wait a moment. Yeah, setting a limit on where you can be at this moment um, and raising that awareness of, of somebody else's body and of the environment and are you feeling safe with what's happening right now. And so are limits, um, are limits more about personal responsibility and awareness? Yeah, although I've, I've also, um, one of my kids went to a school where they, I think they said they had three rules and only three rules and one rule was respect and one rule was responsibility and one rule was I forget because they weren't that Uh. memorable (laughs) (laughs) and the kids had to hold up their hands with their three fingers to show they would remember these rules well but nobody understood what responsibility or what respect meant or whatever that other one was (laughs) so I, I think, yeah, it is what you, it is getting at personal responsibility and, and so on, but it can't be framed in that. Well, way. no, but I, I think the, yeah. the in action, it's, it's everybody learning to manage themselves in, in a socially acceptable way in whatever that situation is. I mean, you got the, the two kids that are trying to go up the slide and somebody's at the top of the slide and wants to go down and, and they put their legs out to the side so the person can slide under their legs and, and, and then they continue their climbing. Um, that's no hard, hard rule around that, but it's them being responsible for everybody's safety and everybody's well-being during that, during that situation. Yeah, 
Right. I think it has to do with that old saying about where does where does one person's rights end and another's begin? It's where you're starting to infringe on what somebody else doesn't like or yeah. hurt them. So um, that's learning to set limits kid to kid on somebody else. It's not a rule, um, but it's uh, standing up for you what you don't like and, and telling the other person. And, and so that's all the art of limit setting. And it happens between children. It happens children to adults. It happens adults to children, but it's not an adult to adult, hopefully. <laughs> but it's, it's not a rule. Um, I, I think one thing, as adults, I think sometimes we need to step back and realize that that kids are often much better than we give them credit for at setting their own limits on on behaviors and and the the way they go about their play. I mean, those those internal rules that they create when they're creating the let's go up and down the slide at the same time game or whatever it is that they're creating, they, they build those internal rules that become become part of the uh, the, the the play and and and, and they, they do that to keep everybody's safety in mind a lot of the times and, and 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 to keep the play flowing. And so a lot of times if we can step back and just allow them to be the boss of that, they come up with pretty good solutions on their own. Yeah. Yeah, and, and they actually uh, create the boundaries of whatever the game is in a natural way mm-hmm. by playing a game. Sometimes they might need help on setting a limit if there's a disagreement on something. But just figuring out how the game goes, there's lots of boundaries, limits, and rules in, in imaginative play. You're going to do this. Oh, well, you don't have that superpower because you're so-and-so. Oh, okay, so I can't do this. I don't have flames that come out of my fingers. But <laughs> yeah. just figuring out who can do what. Um, you know, it's funny. I was just realizing that with roughhousing, some particularly, but probably not only that kind of play, um, sometimes I will use the language of rules to show kids how powerful they are. So, for example, when a kid is setting a limit on another kid, I would call it a limit, like um, don't pull my shirt if they're having kind of a rough game. Uh-huh. Um, one, one kid doesn't like their, their shirt being pulled or their hair being pulled or whatever it is. Then I will often echo, hey, don't pull my shirt. I'll say something like, that's Jake's rule. Don't pull his shirt. Can mm-hmm. you follow his rule? Because kids hear rules all over the place. They know what a rule is. Because even if it's not coming from home, in your house, it's coming from somewhere. There's some teacher or some coach or some somebody who's setting rules. So they know the power of these rules that yeah. seem to dominate their lives. And when you use that language, for not for my own rules, but for the kid setting a limit on another kid, it seems to really reinforce its legitimacy. And I think that's probably why I use the word rule when I'm um, helping the kids hear each other is because it, it gives them that legitimate power of, well, he's not just saying he doesn't like it. This is his rule. <laughs> and if you want to keep playing with him, you got to follow that rule. you got to follow his rule. Um, so that, that, that's an interesting um, discrepancy in my thing of I don't think I have rules. I, I let the kids use that language. Um, but I do think that I, I don't go around decreeing things and saying um, – now, if, you know, if there's some disruptive behavior at dinner, then it's not, now we have a new rule, no blah, blah, blah. Henceforth. Um, 
Henceforth, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I can't. I can't even think. I can't even think up a fake rule. I don't. I, um, and so, why? Why do so many adults gravitate towards the overabundance of rules? Um, I, I think a lot of it has to do with their need to have control and and feel powerful. Because when you start letting go of the rules, um, you're all. You, a lot of people feel like they're inviting chaos. And, right. you know, if, if we don't have rules, I mean, how, how will we function? And, and the reality is, in my experience, that when you, you step back from being the boss and having, having all those rules, kids create their own kind of social structure and, and behavioral norms and everything just kind of, it just kind of works. Right. I mean, we don't, uh, we, just getting out the door in the morning, I had expectations that the children will get ready, and they will brush their teeth, and they will do this. We don't have a rule that uh-huh. says you must do it, but we've done it so many times, and it's expected that they just, you know, they've, they're accustomed to what's um, expected in a household, or they're accustomed to what's expected. If you enter someone's house, you take off your shoes, or if you go to this program that you'd hang up your coat on the hook. Maybe it's not a rule, but it's sort of a, this is how we do things here. More of a and norm that, than a rule. It's more of a, a, a cultural norm. Yeah. Every family has different ones, and every um, certainly country and culture have different ones, uh-huh. but going to different schools or different activities, they all have, this is, you know, this is how we treat, um, say, your sports equipment. This is how we do things. This is how we take care of things. This is the first thing you do when you come in. But it doesn't—it doesn't become a rule of thou shalt not do this and thou shalt, you know. Yeah. Or um, I was thinking about my childhood preschool. They didn't start with a list of rules like no running, no talking mean. <laughs> I've seen places that have a, a list of all the rules. And they're all good things, usually. I mean, not the no running one, but yeah, um, you know, don't say mean things about other people. Well, that's a good thing. But no, most people don't go around waking up and saying, "I'm going to say mean things to people today." But when a crisis happens, the emotions come. A kid may say something mean. Uh-huh. We have to be there for that moment and that feeling, rather than making a decree that you're not, I've seen rules that say no bullying. Well, <laughs> things, you can't just make a rule and these things go away. Well, the, the so one, I, the one I love is, is the school's zero tolerance policy on, on weapons. When we have kids being suspended for, for forgetting they have a, a bubble gun in their backpack. I mean, a, a couple of years ago, this five-year-old girl was suspended from school because she had a Hello Kitty bubble blower in her backpack because it violated the zero tolerance rule. And mm. and so it, it's the absurdity that that some of these rules come with that that is a little bit mind-boggling for me. Right. I guess what the rules, too, is that it seems every time you make a rule, whether it's no toy weapons, no whatever, that you're taking a little bit of um, control and independence and thoughtful citizenship away from the child. Yeah. They have to be able to experience the social encounter or or the emotional moment or whatever it is um, themselves in order to learn from it. And that if we cage them in too much, it's like taking playtime away. You're, you're taking away aspects of life so that they can't experience them. 
Um, and most of the time, most of these things don't happen. Um, but the no running one is always an interesting rule because it seems to be everywhere, um, even on playgrounds. Uh-huh. There's a posted list of rules, including no running. So that one, I think, has to do with um, fear of getting hurt and loss of control. But if the kids need to run, maybe there's places it's not a good idea to run. So looks like you need to run. This isn't the right room for running. Let's uh-huh. go find a space where you can run. That's a response. Instead of setting a rule, This no running in this room, you can the kids begin to realize, oh, this is a crowded room full of a kitchen and lots of chairs and maybe delicate art projects. Yeah. And this is not the, instead of always posting the sign of what you can't do, having them realize, oh yeah, maybe this isn't the right spot. That will take a while for some kids to realize, but they will develop that environmental awareness. And you'll hear kids say to themselves, Let's go outside mm-hmm. to do this on their own initiative without being told that's an outdoor game. You can't yeah. do it. You know, take that one outside. That's got big energy. And then they get outside at school and they're told you can't run here either. Uh, oh, well, hopefully but, not. Well, yeah, yeah that, that the running and the, the inside voices, um, I, I mean, well, I'm four and I'm loud and I'm inside. So this is my inside voice. I mean, it might not be the voice you, you want to hear, but this is indeed my inside voice. Um, that those those little controlly things are just annoying to me, and I don't. I I maybe I should get over it, or maybe everybody else should get rid of those stupid rules. Well, I think that if we can whittle them down, that's why I like the golden rule: is it's okay if it's not hurting people or property. It just yeah. gets down to what most why we create most rules. Uh-huh. It gets down to the basics. So if most rules are about that, that. that we don't want people to get hurt, and we don't want property destroyed, well, then just say that. And if something else comes up that we need to um, put a curb on or put a limit, um, you know, we shouldn't um, have a rule that says no water tables just because sometimes people get splashed and don't like it. So, you know, you can have, you can allow water tables. Uh You can allow water play. Um, But if it comes up, which it will, that somebody gets splashed, then help them set a limit. Don't splash me. Or maybe they like being splashed. So if you want to play a splashing game, here's a place you can do it, but mm-hmm. not over here. This will get the books wet. You know, I think that's the difference rather than having a big posted sign or, or in your mind it's posted in capital letters. Yeah. Water stays in the water tub. Well, Maybe if you took the water tub outside, it wouldn't have to stay yeah. in the water tub. But that you can't spill the water indoors because it would get on the books or the art or whatever it is that's indoors. It's, again, developing that awareness of, I wonder why we can't do that here because it's so much fun. Yeah, yeah. And one of the things that, that Lisa and I get into a lot on the Child Care Bar and Grill podcast is the the whole idea of of controlling that environment so you don't have to control the children so much if we're very mindful about the way we create our our spaces we don't need as many rules because they're they they become they they become unnecessary because we've we've been thoughtful about the environments we created and you know we we don't run we don't run and we don't we don't we don't yell in here and well if if we create spaces where yelling and running are allowed then 
that it is easy for the kids to say, let's go over here and do that thing. Or, hey, we can't rough and tumble play here, but we've created an environment where there is space for rough and tumble. And, and so when we, when we can step back and, and control that environment, we don't have to be the boss and have so much power and control with the rules that we create and then can't enforce. Right, right. So if you find yourself saying no a lot or having a lot of rules in your family or in your, in your school, um, think about what is, the, what is the root problem I'm worried about? What is the root problem that I'm trying to avoid by creating this rule in the first place? And can I kind of quietly take the rule away and, and switch to a, a, an outlook and a philosophy of limit setting and, um, and allowing the kids to gain some experience with the environment and, and why it might be okay or not okay to, um, to do something rather than trying to make a rule for not putting spaghetti in your ear. So that was almost a renegade rules for rules? <laughs> how to set, how to not set rules. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the renegade rules for rules. Have less of them. Yeah. Anything else? And have ones that matter. If yeah. You know, yeah. And I, I, what, I, I what like... Is it, what is it you're really worried about here? I, I, Ask I like, yourself that as an adult. And I like always going back to the golden rule. I think, I think the... The closest thing to rules we had in, in, in our programs through the years were where we don't hurt people and things. Um, and that, that's pretty pretty clear, clear to, pretty easy to understand and, 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 and pretty easy to know at, at most any age. It covers a lot of bases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, it's even, and, and then that didn't even come up very often because the kids just kind of they get into those cultural norms of the program and, and – there just wasn't a whole lot of a lot of heat around a lot of behaviors because everybody kind of knew what was expected of them. Anything else right. we want to throw in here before we wrap this one up? No, I guess it's just it might be stealing some of the fun of childhood though because some of the fun is breaking rules. Well, that's that's true. Maybe maybe we maybe need that one just so that you can have a, a kid be a sneak and get that really enjoyable glint of pleasure of <laughs> well, that's true. Because yeah, I gotta, I gotta admit, that's one of my favorite things is to be a rule breaker now and then. So, um, I, I would agree with you there. So maybe a, maybe a, a couple rules just for the, the sake of breaking them. Hey, listeners, we've enjoyed you listening. We liked bringing you the show. Uh, we hope you pop back in again to the interwebs and listen for the next weekend, which will be coming at you in a week. This has been Renegade Rules. Thanks for tuning in. Bye bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. Music by Alexander Shoemaker. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.